as with other holidays that deal with the family, Father's Day is uh, filled with joy, sometimes filled with uh, other emotions as well. But we know that we have a Heavenly Father who has and continues to take care of us and lead us as the perfect Father. And so we remember that this morning. As we think about this morning, you've probably heard the phrase, running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Maybe you've said that about someone, or someone said it about you. (laughs) Right? It's just that idea of you're frantically going around, you're doing a lot of things, but maybe not getting a lot accomplished or a lot done with no purpose, no direction, right? Because there's no brain anymore behind what's going on. Uh, Fun fact, as I was thinking about this this week, I learned that there's a chicken named Mike the Chicken who lived in 1945 that actually survived for a year and a half with its head cut off. Fun fact. It was a a big thing. Uh, The owner made a lot of money because people wanted to come and look and take pictures off of it. and so I was reading about it, and it survived because when they, when they tried to cut the head off, they missed the jugular. So the head was still gone, but the blood flow was still there. And so it was kind of fascinating to think about, to read about how it could still live even without its head. I guess chickens don't have much of a brain, so that's okay for chickens, right? But as, uh, as we think about this, really that's an anomaly, right? You can't live without your head. Uh, You need the blood flow. You need the brain. You need the the direction. You need a complete head to live as a human, right? And so this this idea of a head is not unique to creation. God the Creator has also talked about it in the Bible. He talks about how God has given us a head. He's given us Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is God the head of everything, meaning that he's over everything. And specifically, Jesus is the head of the church. And so, apart from Jesus, we're, we're like that chicken. We're like a, a lifeless corpse, in other words. We have no blood flow. We have no direction, no purpose in life. But the, the Bible and the good news that it talks about says that if we are united to Jesus, we do have life. We have those things because he's forgiven us of our sin. He's made us alive together with him as we put our faith and trust in him to save us. And so that life comes from him. He is the head. And so this idea really of Jesus as our savior and our head is what we find in our text this morning. On uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day, I think it's helpful to talk about what does it mean to be a Christian in relationship. So what does it mean to be a Christian man? What does it mean to be a Christian woman? What does it mean to be a Christian family? And the Bible helps us think about those things. I think that's especially helpful in uh, the times we live in today, as there's in America or the Western world, there's There's really a lot of confusion or conflicting ideas on what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? I think about even our songs that we sing sometimes, even on Sunday mornings. (laughs) 
about I am a man, right? The irony of singing that if you're a girl. But uh, in all seriousness, we, um, there is confusion. And so the Bible is not confused. The Bible speaks to those things and tells us what does it mean not just to be a Christian, but a Christian man and a Christian woman. And so this morning, as we think about that specifically, what does it mean to be a Christian man, we see that God wants us to be like this ideal that Jesus has set for us. And you could sum up this in one word. You could say, to be a Christian man is to lead. It's leadership. And so you'll see on the screen, 1 Corinthians 11.3, I'm actually going to read this morning from Ephesians chapter 5. It's actually the same verse, almost the same verse, slightly different context. So I will come back around to 1 Corinthians 11 at some point. But this morning, we're going to read from Ephesians 5, verse 23. And it says this, Ephesians 5, 23. Because the the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he is the Savior of the body. And so this verse really sits in the middle of this paragraph that's talking about relationships. How does a husband relate to a wife? How does the wife relate to the husband? And we see this as really the underlying idea. This is the premise behind everything that's being said. If you want to know what it means to have a a Christian marriage, this is the passage you would look at. And this is the idea behind it that... This is why the wife should follow the husband in a certain way. This is why the husband should lead in a certain way. Why is it? It's because Jesus is the head of the church. And in a similar way, God has created us so that the husband is the head of the wife in the relationship. So let's pray as we begin this morning. Father God, we are thankful for your word. God, we need you to open our eyes to see not just the truth of your word, but to see how good it is for us, to see how amazing it is that you have taught us what we need to know and you have told us what we need for life and life abundant. And we pray that you would do that work in our hearts this morning, that we would love you and your word more this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we look at this, we really see what does it mean to be the head? That's really what we need to think about. If Jesus is the head of the church and the husband is supposed to be the head of the wife, what does that mean? And so as always, we should start by seeing how the Bible defines its own terms. The Bible can tell us what does this mean. And so we see this in other places in the book of Ephesians. We see in Ephesians 1.22 that it says that, God put all things under his feet, that's Jesus, and gave him to be head over all things, to be head over all things, to the church. And so that same idea comes up in other places, this idea that Jesus is the head, he's the ruler, he has authority. And that's really the idea of 
Jesus being the head. He has authority. That's what it's talking about. And so, not just authority over the church, but really this says in Ephesians 1 that it says Jesus has authority over everything. Everything answers to him. He created the entire universe, and so everything is responsible to him. So that's the kind of authority he has, and you can you can come to earth, you can come to him as either a as a rebellious enemy or as a close friend, but everyone will answer to him and is responsible to him because he is the head. He has authority. James, the book of James puts it this way. It doesn't say the same thing, but it talks about how when you're leading a horse, you put a bit in a horse's mouth and you can turn its head wherever you want it to go. And wherever the head is turned, the body of the horse is going to follow. And so there's that idea that the head gives the, the direction. It leads in a certain way, right? And so this idea of authority and leadership is really tied up in this word of being the head. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says the same thing. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. And so this teaches us a little bit more about what it means to be the head. This verse is not just saying what it means to be in relationship with God or how we relate to each other, but it says something interesting that Jesus follows the leadership of God the Father. And so Jesus submits to God's leadership. So does that mean that Jesus is not equal with God? that he's less than God if he submits to God? The answer would be no. That would be heresy, if you would say yes. Jesus is not less than God, right? He is equal with God, co-eternal with the Father and the Son, as the great confessions of old say. And so to believe in Jesus means that you believe that he is God. He's fully God. Just like God the Father has all authority, so does Jesus. And yet, Jesus still follows after God the Father. And so we see this idea that this authority submission structure doesn't mean that people are not equal in worth. Jesus is equal in worth to the Father, and yet he follows him. In the same way, the husband and wife are equal in worth, and yet God has still given us roles with in that relationship. He's given one the role of leadership and one the role of following. And so this doesn't make men superior, right? You shouldn't walk around with a superiority complex and I'm the leader. No, that's not how the Bible talks about it. Instead, the Bible tells us to lead, but it tells us to lead in a certain way to lead in the right direction in a certain way. And that way is the way of service. Jesus was a servant leader by definition, the, the original servant leader. And so as we're thinking about what it means to be the head, what it means to lead, there's a couple other places that talk about this. Ephesians 4, back to the book we're in, says this in Ephesians 4, 15, and 16. It says, rather, 
speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So here again, we see this just idea that the the body follows the head. We follow the leadership of Jesus. We seek to line ourselves up with Jesus, right? That's the responsibility of being the leader. It's meant to lead in a way that's meant to be followed. So it's no coincidence, probably, if you've been married for any kind of time that you start to maybe act alike a little bit or start to think in the same way, or at least you know what the other person would do or think or say in a certain situation, right? You can kind of guess what their response would be. If your husband's in a certain situation, you kind of would guess how he's going to respond or vice versa, right? I don't think that's a coincidence completely because we see this same idea that to be in this relationship means that you become one. And that's not just really a matter of preference or decorating styles, but really what that's meant to do is it's meant to build character into us, both as a husband and a wife. Husbands are supposed to imitate Jesus, and as we do that, the wife is supposed to have an example of what she follow as well, and so it's meant to build our character to follow Jesus. In other words, sum it up like this, leadership promotes godly growth. Leadership promotes godly growth. That's what it's meant to do. The church grows to look more like Jesus. But did you notice that at the end of verse 15, the beginning of verse 16, it has these two words. It says that in whom or from whom, depending on your version, it says from whom the body grows. In other words, it's saying, where does this growth come from? It's not just that it's happening, that the body is following after Jesus, but it says that Jesus himself is bringing about this growth. He's changing the church to look more like him. And so as as husbands, as people who are leading in any capacity, we're supposed to be leading in a way that brings about the growth of those who are following. Jesus gives us that example. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without a blemish. And so this is the the leadership of Jesus. He leads to promote the good and the growth of his church. And so husbands, same way. And so there are really maybe lots of ways, reasons, that this doesn't always work out, that this dynamic doesn't always play out in relationships. Right? Think about how marriages don't always look like this. Maybe the main part is the main reason is because when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a curse given. And the curse was that 
God told Eve that her desire would be for her husband, but that her husband would rule over her. In other words, because of sin, wives would seek to to lead in the marriage relationship in a sinful way, and the man would sinfully be domineering in the marriage relationship, generally speaking. And so one reason we, we don't see this structure play out usually is because it's it's our nature. It's it's built into us. We fight against this kind of relationship of leading well and following well. Another reason that this usually doesn't happen is because if you just look around in the culture, we see so many things against it. And that's not an accident. The Bible says that in this passage in Ephesians 5 that the marriage relationship is meant to be a picture of the relationship between Jesus and the church. In other words, it's meant to really be a picture of the gospel, the good news that Jesus loves people and has died for them and given himself for them so that they would be united to him and be made whole. They'd be cleansed from sin. And so anytime that marriage can be distorted, that's distorting that picture of Jesus and the gospel. And so whether that's by changing definitions or changing the, the, the unity within a marriage or breaking marriages apart, anytime that happens, it, it serves as a distortion of this picture of Jesus and the gospel. And so that is something that Satan and sin tries to break apart. We have probably other reasons why Marriages don't follow God's design, but even with all these forces at work, I think maybe we could say that one of the reasons is that if husbands would lead in this way, if husbands would lead like Jesus, I think we would see more marriages that would line up with this design. That Jesus led by focusing on the good and growth of the church and focusing on the flourishing of the church. And if husbands lead in that way, that's good, and that's something that will promote growth and the glory of God. So husbands aren't meant to be passive, right, and put the burden of leadership on their wife or all the important decisions on her, but we're meant to to lead in a way that promotes flourishing and good for not just our wife, but really our whole family. And so that's what it means to be the head. It means to lead in a way that promotes the good and the growth of those you're leading. So how does that happen? How does Jesus lead in that way? How are men supposed to lead in that way? We see it really in Ephesians 5 in two words. God says that husbands should nourish and cherish their wife. That's what it means to lead, is to to nourish those you are leading. So what kind of support or resources does your wife need in order to grow in godliness? You can ask her. She's probably thought about it, right? What would be helpful in my life to follow after Jesus better? So whether that's time, right? Generally speaking, wives are busy. Maybe it's just time to to spend time alone in the Word or to get away and spend time with some friends who would be encouraging. Maybe it's uh, taking the lead 
she needs you to take the lead in the family to make sure that you pray as a family or you read the Bible as a family so that the family is fed spiritually. Really, you, you have to customize that to each situation, but how can you as a husband, as a leader, help nourish the soul of your wife and the, the spiritual life of your family? And then cherish Right? You cherish your wife. She's the most important person that God has given to you. Right? The most valuable person, the MVP, so to speak. I know it's cheesy to say that, but it's true. Uh, but First Peter really says the same thing, to honor the wife, to give honor to her. It's the same idea as cherishing. The fact that she doesn't have the same role or the same abilities doesn't make her lesser or weaker or a burden to you but she's like that valuable crown jewel that you preserve and take care of and cherish and so as both of you draw closer to God as you lead in a way that helps her grow and you grow then as you're both growing closer to God the result is actually that you also grow closer to each other because you're growing closer to God at the same time. And so this is one way that we are meant to lead, that God has given husbands to lead in an understanding way, an understanding way. That's, uh, that's one of the jokes, I think, right, about understanding women. You hear it phrased in different ways, but, you know, they're a conundrum, hard to understand. But really, if you're a husband, 1 Peter 3.7 says that it's your task to understand your wife, to live with her in an understanding way. What is she like? What is she not like? If you were given the task of planning a birthday afternoon celebration for your wife, what was she like? What would she really enjoy? Maybe it's going shopping. Maybe it's eating out, just spending time with you being as a family, just taking the responsibilities off her plate. What is it? But living with your wife in an understanding way means that you think about her. Simple thought. You think about her. You think, what does she like? What does she enjoy? What would be good for her? Because God gives the husband a wife as a a helper, not someone who's under him, but someone who works alongside of him as you, as you walk towards and work towards the glory of God. And so leading means that you look out for the good of those who are following. That's what it means to be a leader, to be a man of God. That's what Jesus did. He led in that way. He nourishes and cherishes the church. And so he calls us to do the same, to sacrifice ourselves for the good of our wives and the good of those around us. And that is one way that we, we display the goodness and the glory of God. If we think God is really good and glorious and amazing, then we'll act like him. And one of the ways we do that is by serving, by sacrificing ourselves for the good of others. And as we do that, people get a little glimpse, a little taste of what the Heavenly Father is like. 
it's worth noting on Father's Day, uh, as we're talking about what does it mean to be a Christian man, right? It is Father's Day. We don't just want to think about what it means to be a man in relation to a woman, but what does it mean to be a father? And similar ideas, the Bible says we lead in a way that promotes godly growth for our family. So Ephesians 6 says this, Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It tells fathers to do this. Right? It doesn't mean that moms aren't supposed to do it or that moms play no role in that. Obviously, we could tell stories ourselves and we can even read in the Bible how Timothy's mom and grandmother played this vital role in his spiritual life. And yet Paul is focusing here on this leadership aspect that if, if husbands and fathers are meant to lead, then they need to lead in this area as well, to lead in promoting the godly growth of their family. It's by God's grace that kids grow up to follow God. And yet God usually uses people to accomplish his purposes. It doesn't work in a vacuum. Usually God works through people, and usually God puts dads in their kids' lives to lead them down that path. And so as a dad, as a Christian man, how do you need to lead out in your family to promote this godly growth? Maybe it means you need to give something up or stop doing something. Maybe it means you need to start doing something good. But what does that look like as you work to follow this example of Jesus, to prioritize the godly growth of the people around you? And that is it's true for all of us. A lot of us uh, may not have kids at home with us. Some of us do, but not all of us do. But just like the command to honor your father and mother doesn't stop when you leave the home, so fathers can still have an influence on their children, even if they're not under the same kind of authority as when you're living at home, right? There are still ways that you can promote godly growth uh, even if your relationship with your children has changed. And so how can you do that? This is what the Bible calls us to. This is what Jesus, our head, has done for us. And praise God, he is still doing that work. That no matter how poorly we follow him, he is still being gracious to us and patient and leading us to look more like him, to follow the Father better. And so may we as Christian men not only lead in this example, but look to Jesus, to trust in him, to, to follow his example and understand that he is empowering us who believe in him to actually do this. Maybe imperfectly, but to actually walk this path of leading in this way. So may we be challenged, may we be encouraged as we think about this leadership of Jesus in our lives, and to make it a part of our lives in the lives of those around us. Your word. That you teach us about who you are. You tell us that you are God, that you have authority over all things. And that you also teach us about 
ourselves and who we are, how we are. We're dead without you. We have no life without you. You are our life, blood, our head, and we have to be united to you. And God, you teach us about how we relate to each other, how we are meant to interact with each other, how you created this world to be. I pray that we would follow that example more closely, that it would be honoring to you, that we would not seek to exalt ourselves, but seek to exalt you as we lead in this way. God, convict us, comfort us through your Holy Spirit. Give us grace to walk this path. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As always, we want to not just be hearers of the word, but James says to be doers as well. And so, uh, as is our custom, we want to have a time of response to respond in whatever way the Lord is working on our hearts. Maybe he's convicted us and we need to, to pray and ask his forgiveness. Maybe he's encouraged us by showing us how, how good of a leader he is to us and we can pray and praise him. Uh, whether that means we need to, to understand more what it means to have Jesus as our head and how we can come to a relationship with him or what it means to join the church. Um, Let's use this time to respond to him in whatever way we need to. I'll be up.